Hello everyone, welcome back to my podcast, Little Mind Chats. Mind a little, not our thoughts. I'm your host, Siona Bikram. As I said, we would be having someone very special on my podcast today. My first guest who works closely with the United Nations. A person who knows a lot, not just about plastic toys, but what chemicals go into them. His research doesn't stop there. He even studies the harmful effects on our health, and more so on the health of children and babies. His articles appear in Google Scholarly. I feel super proud to introduce you to... Dr. Peter Fantke. Dr. Peter is Professor for Quantitative Sustainability Assessment with focus on assessing life cycle fate, exposure and effects of chemicals. He is the director of USTOX, the UNEP slash SETAC scientific consensus model. This model characterizes chemical toxicity and ecotoxicity. It also coordinates global task forces on quantifying emissions of pesticides and addressing impacts from exposure to toxic chemicals and fine particulate matter. Wow, that sounds complex. Welcome to my show, Dr. Peter Panke. How are you doing today? Thank you so much, Siona. It's such a pleasure to be on your podcast. I'm honored to be invited and I'm happy to chat with you today about plastic toys, all the fun with the toys, of course, and the chemicals in them. Thank you so much. The honor is truly mine. I read your scientific article called Chemicals of Concern in Plastic Toys that was published together with the United Nations Environment Programme. So can you please explain a little more about this to me? Yes, sure. That study was about, we wanted to figure out and get an overview of which chemicals are really used in toys that our kids play with. And then we checked, are these chemicals, can they harm our kids that they play with these toys? So we collected information, which chemicals are used in toys. Then we used mathematical models to estimate how much of these chemicals get into our kids. And then we predict the related health risks for the kids. So we identified 126 chemicals that are possibly problematic for our children's health. And we identified that breathing is mainly the pathway how chemicals enter our kids. Why is that? Because kids play with one toy at a time but they breathe all the chemicals from all the toys in their room. That was really an interesting study. Ooh, that's pretty worrying and shocking. So how did scientists come to the conclusion that some chemicals are bad for us? Well, sometimes it's even not the, the chemicals, but the toys themselves that are the problem, right? So a little anecdote here. When I was in school, a friend of mine put a small toy in the mouth and swallowed it by accident. Oops. The toy got stuck in the throat, and I had to turn my friend upside down and shake him until the toy came out again. That was really fun. But jokes aside, some chemicals that we have in the toys that can have properties that can cause health problems. We have chemicals that can, for example, lead to cancer. Other chemicals can affect our nervous system. And yet other chemicals can interfere with our hormones and so on, right? So this really depends on how we use the toys and the chemicals in them and how we get in contact with these chemicals. 
So are all chemicals bad for us, and can they also harm the environment? Not all chemicals are bad. Most chemicals are really good. Chemicals are, of course, everywhere. So all stuff is made of chemicals, and they have many good properties. For instance, chemicals are used in our medicines. Chemicals also make our products, including the toys, how we want them. They can make the toys soft, that you can squeeze them, you know, like these slimy toys. Or they can be made hard, like the Lego bricks. They give us colors. They do not let them burn, and so on. But some of the chemicals we use in our products, the problem is they also have bad properties. Only some of them. They stay in the environment for a long time, which we call they are persistent. Some chemicals can accumulate in the water, so we can drink them. Uh, they can also accumulate in the food and in humans or other living organisms. And many chemicals, not all of them, but many can also lead to negative health effects. So these are the chemicals that we should be concerned about and that we should, of course, replace, if we can, by better alternatives. That's pretty not good. Like, of course, there are microplastics in our water and food now that can't even be filtered out. But the bad thing is that chemicals are coming along with these microplastics, which makes the, the whole situation even worse. Exactly. So what are those safer alternatives that, we, that you speak of? Yeah, harmful chemicals, they can be replaced, in fact, by many things, right? I can give an example here of some toxic, really some problematic flame retards that are chemicals that help that some of our products do not burn easily, right? So they are used in our furniture and building materials, for example, and also can be used in toys. So these problematic chemicals, they can be replaced by other chemicals that are less harmful, or they can be replaced by materials that do not burn easily, or we can install sprinklers, you know, when something burns that we have water dropping on. Or we can also change our behavior. So, for example, adults should stop smoking indoors so that things doesn't burn easily. So there are many, many options how we can replace harmful chemicals in toys and also other products. Yeah, that's so true. Smoking should definitely be stopped. It doesn't matter if it's for the sake of a toy, but smoking definitely has to be stopped. And I think many firefighters are coming up with non-chemical technologies of like their clothes not getting caught on fire. So maybe we could add that into toys. Yeah, that's always a matter of how we want to live, right? So when it comes to fire, we want fire-safe environments and homes, right? And if you look at how furniture was constructed earlier, 50 years ago, we didn't have all these artificial materials in our household. We had raw hair, we had sheep wool. Well, sheep do not naturally burn so easily, right? So it's a matter of how, what we put into our environment and then which chemicals we have to add to prevent things like fire. Fire can put us at risk, but what does it mean if someone is at high risk and can we get sick from playing with toys that put us in high risk? That's a very good question that actually many people asked us. So I give two examples. When we talk about cancer, a high risk here means that one person out of one million can get the cancer. Right? That is a high risk for cancer. For other effects, that is neurotoxicity effects or other things, high risk means that more of the chemical reaches us, the humans, than the amount of the chemical where we see no health problems. So we see how many chemicals reach us, 
versus what is the chemical amount that should reach us that we have no health problems. So if you compare these two things, then we can say what is a high risk and what is not a high risk. Of course, it is very unlikely that one kid can get sick by playing with a specific toy, unless you choke it, for example. Uh, but that is not to the chemicals. Then. But when you look at all kids in the country or around the whole world, and if you include all the toys and other products that we have on our daily life, then we can link these chemicals in all the products and toys to the whole kid's population and see what are associations between health problems and the toys we are playing with. And that's the way we can evaluate who, which persons are more at risk and others not. That sounds like complex and very important research. Would you think that parents have a role to play in the toy ecosystem? And what's your advice to them if they do? Certainly. It's not just the kids, especially it's the parents and others like, you know, regulators and also the toy industry. Many people can help that we have a better environment and also better health uh, for our kids and ourselves. For the parents, I think they have a huge role to play here. They can watch out for the toys and the labels saying that certain harmful chemicals are not found in new toys. So parents can watch the labels and see, aha, they are phthalate-free, for example, or lead-free. These are chemicals that can harm chemical children's health and also adults' health, actually. Parents can also put toys that we don't use anymore in the basement or elsewhere, instead of leaving them all in the children's rooms. Why is that relevant? Because I told earlier, most of the chemicals can migrate out of the toys into the indoor air, and then we breathe them. That's really a most important pathway. So if we put these toys away that we don't play with, then we don't breathe these chemicals coming out of them. And parents can also open the windows every day. So to remove the chemicals that move from the toys into the air. So there are a lot of things parents can do on a simple basis. Definitely, definitely. I better tell this to my parents and my friends' parents. So, developing countries have lesser regulations for toys, so would you think that children in these countries are at a high risk? Yeah, that's a very general problem, and I said earlier that regulators are also in charge, so governments, policy makers. Yes, kids in developing countries, I would say, have in general a higher risk than kids in developed countries. One of the main reasons here is that these countries have poorer regulations, but another main reason is that Developed countries, they send usually much of their trash back to the developing countries. All the trash, all the things we don't need anymore, that is not just toys, that is old electronics and other waste, we ship them back to developing countries. And many poor kids in these developing countries, they play on the dump sites where the trash is really dumped. And then on these dump sites, many chemicals migrate out of this trash because it's broken open. So the chemicals migrate out a lot. You have metals and other toxic chemicals on the waste sites. And many kids that are poor play on these dump sites. So of course they can get sick there. So yes, in general, kids in developing countries have a higher risk of getting exposed to, uh, to toxic chemicals for different reasons. And we should really help mitigating that. Yeah. But one thing I would say to the leaders of developing countries and plastic plants and everything, they should stop sending it to developing countries. I mean, it's unfair. They are countries as well. They have their own problems and they can't deal with developed countries' trash because kids are the future and they need to really be looked after. 
So what's the best way forward for the toy industry to do more to protect our health and the environment? That's a very good question because it's, it's not just the kids themselves and the parents which toys to buy. And it's also not just due to the regulators which toys should be allowed and which chemicals. It's really also a big role that the toy industry itself has to play and can play in improving the safety of the kids. So the toy industry, for example, should invest more in creative minds like yours that find new solutions where harmful chemicals are actually not needed instead of only increasing profit for their own company, which is often, unfortunately, the main driver for many companies in the world. And it's in the end also good for their own kids, right? I mean, admit everyone who has kids, be it on the company or not, can benefit from that. The toy industry should also better listen to the many scientists that we have in the world that work on, on safety of kids, on health effects, on chemical safety and better design. And they should work together with these scientists to find the best possible toys that are the least harmful for the kids and for the environment. I believe that this will become really an advantage for the companies in the future where we are more and more aware of health risks from harmful chemicals. Yeah, so, so true. Toy industry does have a big role to play. I mean, the toy industry can't just put toys out into the market and then sit back and enjoy the whole thing happening. It has to do something. We love getting advice from great minds like yours. Do you have any? Oh, that's awesome that you say that. We all have advice. Um, some are better, some are worse. I think kids and their parents should reduce the overall amount of toys that they have in the first place. Instead, they should use their own minds and their own fantasy and play more together with each other, with other kids. I think playing with each other is really the biggest fun that we have. When I remember back when I was a kid, I can barely remember any of the toys I had, but I can remember all of my friends that I played with. So scientists on our side, because I do research on my end here with toys and chemicals and other things, scientists should stop to see kids as little humans. That's also a big problem right now. The body of a kid has a very different way of reacting to chemicals, right? It's not the same as what we as in adults do. But all the studies we use uh, currently in the world are mostly from middle-aged male humans that we cannot just uh, scale down to a small kid. So we need more studies on how chemicals actually affect our children. That will really help us better predicting and the effects and protecting the kids. So they can spend a lot of healthy time to play with toys and, of course, with each other. That's my advice. Yeah, because as children, we're still in the developing stage. And so we need that precious time. And we have high metabolic rates. So like we're nowhere near the middle-aged average man. So we really need to stop being looked at as little humans. Exactly. So that was one very revealing podcast. Lots of information I never knew of. Thank you for being on my podcast, Dr. Peter Fanke. Thank you so much, Siona. It was a great pleasure of mine. It was my pleasure too. Please do get your parents to follow Dr. Peter on LinkedIn. I think this particular episode is full of useful information that we'd probably never hear about anywhere else. Please do not forget to share this with all of your contacts. Before ending this episode, here's an update I've been bursting to share with you all. 
last Sunday, I saw all records of Little White's plastic collection shattered. For some of you who are not aware yet, I had a plastic collection drive at school. The difference this time was that numerous children and parents flocked to the school to get their plastics and plastic toys recycled. 85 eco-warriors were just in with us. Any guesses on how many kilos of plastic were collected? It's a whopping 162 kilos. I feel humbled for all the support my school, Jane Heritage, and its students are providing in my effort. It's now the first Little White School. Are you or your school ready to become a Little White and make some real impact in helping Mother Earth? Let me know. If you're wondering when the next collection drive is, it's on Sunday the 27th of March. Don't forget to tune in to my next episode coming out on Women's Day. I've got a really inspiring guest. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks a ton for listening. Bye.